Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th. Hosted by Kevin Hart, the seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with The Fall Guy. What are you doing later? Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Nope. Because I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Sweet 16 starting up. 74 Oakland A's, the seven seed up against the 04 Red Sox, who are in as a three seed. The 04 Sox beat the 77 Dodgers back in June. The A's have had to win twice already. They beat the 92 Braves, then the 78 New York Yankees. Josh Lewin with you from Fenway. We have our bracket now of the surviving teams in the tournament. Win now, you're in the quarterfinals or the Elite Eight, if you will. And we feature now, a field of only two remaining one seeds right now, but also a 10 seed, an 11 seed, and a 12. The two big red machine teams have been dispatched. There isn't a, a single Yankees team still standing. Yet, a team like the 74 A's, maybe the least impressive version of that three-peat dynasty, here they are at Fenway Park tonight. Overcast, but otherwise pleasant at Fenway with the wind blowing in a bit. Bronson Arroyo, the Corn Road right-handed iconoclast, will go for the home team. He actually would have fit in well on those Charlie Finley teams of the 70s out in Oakland. The A's have the lefty Ken Holtzman to counter. That for an A's team that truly was fun to cover and watch back in the day. A ragtag operation run by the aforementioned Charlie Finley. Our John Miller will get into that for you. After all, he was the voice of both these teams at one point. And now in the Hall of Fame is John Miller. He's got this recollection of the 74 Oakland Ball Club. They had a great, well-balanced ball club. That's the thing I remember. It was a pitcher's era. Uh, 1973 was the first year of the designated hitter in the American League because hitting had gone so far downhill in the league. It was so much of a pitcher's game, they decided, that it was time for them to... Um, Try to add a little more offense and more and more hitting. So, uh, so the A's in '74. The thing that had changed for them that year was that Dick Williams had been the manager when they won the, those two World Series, and uh, a lot of those guys, Sal Bando, Reggie Jackson, Joe Rudy, the stars on that ball club, uh, talked about that. Dick Williams was just what they needed. He was a, a taskmaster. He was hard to please, and they had great talent. And they needed that one added element uh, to to put them over the top, to put it all together. So uh, even though they didn't like him, not one of those guys liked Dick Williams. They didn't like being around him, but they felt like that he sort of lit this fire under him uh, that that made them 
uh, as great as they became. So Dick Williams hated working for Charlie Finley. Charlie Finley was like a poor man's George Steinbrenner. And always hiring and firing managers and telling them what they needed to do, how they needed to manage. And the, uh, the time came where Dick Williams finally said, enough. And he resigned in that offseason. Uh, he was hoping then to later on sign with the Yankees. George Steinbrenner himself wanted to, to sign him, but uh, uh, Charlie said, no, you can't walk away from a contract with me and then just sign with somebody else. You have to have my permission. And he took him to court and he won. So Dick Williams was out of work. And the, the man he hired, he hired a new broadcaster by uh, the name of John Millard, who was the 14th broadcaster hired by Charlie Finley in his 14th season as the owner of the Athletics. Uh, so it was sort of a badge of honor that uh, you had worked for Charlie and been fired by him. So uh, uh, when I got that job, uh, I was just considered some young guy who obviously would work cheap. And, uh, and I was young. I was 22 years old. Then at the start of the next season when he fired me, uh, my stock went way up. I didn't actually realize I was kind of down about getting fired, but then I found out that for all these broadcasters, uh, yeah, he was uh, damn good too, just like I was when he, when uh, uh, you know, when that asshole fired me. So, uh, uh, so uh, who knew that getting fired was the the best possible thing that could have happened to me? But uh, uh, and looking back on it. For a young broadcaster starting out in the big leagues, I should have paid him. Not that he paid me that much, but uh, I should have paid him uh, to do that job because it was like getting my my postgraduate degree in baseball because that Oakland team, it wasn't just that they had a, the, the most stars or the best pitchers. Uh, they had everything. All right, thanks, John. And let's remind you about their 74 A's a little bit more in depth. They went 90-72 and 72 on their third straight AL pennant with a new manager, Alvin Dark. He was hired just a week before the start of the season. They beat the powerful Orioles in only four games, including the clincher in Baltimore, 2-1. to one. They only had one hit in that game, a Reggie Jackson RBI double. So the scene was set for the first All-California World Series, the I-5 series against the Dodgers. And for the A's... This is a series not without controversy. There was a locker room fight, a player-owner dispute, Dodger comments in the press that made the A's kind of come to life, but the Mustache Gang needed just five games to dominate, win that third World Series title in as many years. Lesser teams could have been distracted by the off-field incidents leading up to Game 1 of the World Series. Three-day spam we're talking about. Former second baseman Mike Andrews of that 73 team announced he was filing a $2.5 million libel and slander suit against Charlie Finley after uh, he was dismissed from the team when he made those costly errors after Game 2 of the 73 series. Next day, Catfish Hunter, who was a Cy Young Award winner, he accused Finley of breach of contract from an owed annuity. He was threatening to, threatening to file for free agency if Finley didn't pay him. Night before Game 1, Raleigh Fingers and Blue Moon Odom traded blows in the locker room. Fingers was left with stitches in his head. Odom sprained his ankle in that little brawl. So on the day of game one, you get this. The Dodger players have made comments to the media, then called the press, declaring that the A's were doubtful champions, uh, indicating that Joe Rudy was the only player that could actually make their team. And Dodger outfielder Bill Buckner added to the fury. He had the quote saying the Dodgers would beat the A's 100 out of 162 games. So those comments gave the A's added incentive to come out swinging. 
they were after all the swing and haze. Elsewhere around baseball in 74, it got interesting towards the end of the regular season. September 10th, Lou Brock broke the Maury Wills record of stolen bases in a single season. Late September, Tommy John would undergo Tommy John surgery. Of course, it wasn't called that quite yet. And September 28th, last start of the year for Nolan Ryan, he pitched his third career no-hitter. The Angels beat the Twins 4-0. He had 15 strikeouts in that game as well. It's a season, by the way, when uh, he walked a couple of hundred batters, 202. Don Wilson also had a two-hit shutout against the Braves that same day. It'll be Don Wilson's last big league game. October 3rd, very end of the season, Frank Robinson becomes the first black manager in Major League history. The Indians named him to replace Ken Aspromonte for the following season. After the 74 season, the Texas Rangers of all teams dominated the postseason awards. Uh, Jeff Burroughs was the MVP, and you had Mike Hargrove end up as Rookie of the Year over Bucky Dent, George Brett, Rick Burleson, and, and Jim Sunberg. All right, let's take a look at how the A's will take the field tonight. It'll be Billy North in center field to lead off. Gene Tennis at first, Reggie Jackson in right. Joe Rudy is in left field. He's hitting cleanup. Then Sal Bando at third. Campy Campaneris at short. They'll go with the 19-year-old Claudel Washington, DHing. Ray Fossey's the catcher. Dick Green at second base, batting at number nine. So those are your A's. I'll have Ken Holtzman on the mound. Here are... The home standing 04 Red Sox now. The ecstasy and history of the Red Sox created in 2004 probably started with the agony that happened at the end of 03. Those 03 Red Sox, a power packed lineup with that cowboy up mentality. They were five outs away from reaching the World Series. They would have matched up against the Marlins, but Pedro Martinez got in trouble. Grady Little stood still. The Yankees came storming back. You know how that one ended off the knuckleballer Tim Wakefield. The most stinging defeat the Red Sox had experienced since 1986. That one taking place in a, another New York City borough. And that led ownership and the front office to really bear down and change the whole state of the franchise. So what would it wind up as a successful quest to halt the championship drought? It really started the week of Thanksgiving, 03 and 04. A second-year GM named Theo Epstein would not take no for an answer, trying to get Kurt Schilling to come on board. Schilling in place, joining the rotation with Pedro Martinez. You bring in Terry Francona as a manager to replace Grady Little. And Francona, unproven at the time, just a perfect temperament to lead a veteran-laden team. And even though the mega trade that would have sent Manny Ramirez to the Rangers for A-Rod fell through, Theo made another big move. He signed the free agent reliever Keith Folk, so now they have the closer. And maybe if Grady Little had had that, who knows what would have happened in 03. But in 04, they finished 98-64. and 64. Actually went into October as a wild card. They finished three games behind the Yankees. And when the division series started, it was like the regular season had never ended because Boston just bashed the Angels, a three-game sweep that culminated with Big Poppy walking it off, Homer over the Green Monster in the 10th inning of Game 3. That set up the ALCS that everybody wanted to see, Red Sox-Yankees again. And, yeah, Boston could erase the pain of the season before. Didn't start out that way. Schilling pitched with a ruptured tendon in his right ankle, got belted around Yankee Stadium in Game 1. The Who's Your Daddy chants ringing around him from 55,000 strong at Yankee Stadium. Pedro Martinez was outdueled by John Lieber in Game 2. 
You figured maybe the home cooking at Fenway would do the trick in game three, but nope, 19 to eight, they lost that one. And they were staring at a three nothing hole in the ALCS, having just lost by 11. How bad could things get? Dan Shaughnessy's column lead in the Boston Globe, Sunday, October 17, said, so there, for the 86th consecutive autumn, the Red Sox are not going to win the World Series. Well, games four, five, and six were thrilling wins, of course. Game seven was a rout. On to the World Series against a Cardinals team that had been loaded enough to win 105 times during the regular season. But, yeah, the Red Sox not only found a way, they clobbered St. Louis. The first game of the, the World Series at Fenway was actually pretty close because the Red Sox were kicking the ball all over the place. There was one disaster-filled inning with Manny Ramirez and left, but uh, Mark Bellahorn snapped the 9-9 tie with a home run, clanged off the foul pole in the bottom of the eighth. Red Sox won that one. Game two, the Bloody Sox sequel. Schilling coming up aces in that one. Pedro dominated in game three, and Ramirez on the way to a World Series MVP. Just a titanic home run. He threw out Larry Walker at the plate, so 3 nothing lead in a best-of-seven World Series. Game four, first time a World Series game was played under a lunar eclipse, and the Red Sox winning it all seemed like that would be an even more rare thing. But uh, sure enough, Johnny Damon leadoff home run. Derek Lowe, seven shutout innings. Red Sox didn't trail at any point of that 04 World Series. And for the first time in 86 years, there you have it, Red Sox World Series champions. Elsewhere in baseball, 04, Dennis Eckersley and Paul Molitor into the Hall of Fame that summer. Vlad Guerrero and Barry Bonds were your MVPs. Johan Santana and Roger Clemens, now of the Astros, your Cy Youngs. Rookies of the year, Bobby Crosby of the A's, Jason Bay of the Pirates. And your managers of the year, Buck Showalter for the Rangers in the AL, Bobby Cox in the National League. Barry Bonds, great year again. Highest on base percentage ever, 609. Adam Dunn, 195 strikeouts that year. That was a record for the time. Ichiro, a new record with 262 hits, although the Mariners failed to make the playoffs. Speaking of the playoffs, the New England Patriots made those, won themselves a Super Bowl. The Pistons won the NBA title. Tampa Bay beat Calgary for the Stanley Cup. USC beat Michigan in the Rose Bowl for the NCAA football championship. The UConn Huskies won it all in college hoop. Pop culture 04, Desperate Housewives and Survivor were the big things on TV. The top song was Yeah by Usher with Lil Jon and Ludacris. Big movies were Shrek 2, Spider-Man 2, Passion of the Christ. Uh, Ashley Simpson was caught lip-syncing on Saturday Night Live right around the time the World Series was wrapping up. Ken Jennings, your 74-time Jeopardy winner. William Hung lost on American Idol, but he won America's Hearts with... Ricky Martin's She Bangs. Britney Spears married Jason Alexander, not the Seinfeld star, but her high school friend. That lasted 55 hours. And the audience at Oprah's You Get a Car, You Get a Car episode, everybody, yeah, they got a car, but they each had to pay $7,000 in taxes. Thanks, Oprah. Here's the lineup for the Red Sox, the home team here against the 74 A's. Johnny Damon leads it off. He's in center. Mark Bellhorn's at second. Manny Ramirez in left. David Ortiz will DH. Trot Nixon, the right fielder. Jason Veritek, the catcher. Kevin Millar at first. Bill Miller at third. Orlando Cabrera, underrated. Shortstop batting, number nine. On the mound, it is Bronson Arroyo. 10-9 with a 4.03 ERA. The bronze medalist in the rotation behind the gold and silver of Schilling and Pedro. 
27-year-old right-hander, a little bit flaky, a little bit out there, originally Pirates property. Arroyo these days splits his time between Key West and Cincinnati. He's had offers from the Reds and Red Sox to work on TV. He just doesn't want a, a formal agreement that'll tie him down anyway, or anywhere. He's a free spirit of the highest order. With the Red Sox 03-04-05, he won only 24 regular season games, but he was kind of a, a Forrest Gump kind of deal because anytime things were happening, whether it was A-Rod trying to slap the ball out of his hand at first base, throwing up and in on A-Rod in a Saturday afternoon game that was remembered for the fight between A-Rod and Veritech that was Arroyo on the mound. All kinds of things just seemed to find Bronson Arroyo. But anyway, he finds himself on the Fenway mound tonight. He's got Billy North at the plate, switch hitter up there batting left, 260 batting average, four home runs. And he takes a strike on the inside corner. We're underway. Wind is blowing in a little bit at America's most beloved ballpark, the Lyric Little Band Box, as John Updike once wrote. Next pitch is inside. It's now one and one. Check the defense for you. Damon's in center, flanked by Ramirez and Nixon. And around the horn, third to first, it's Miller. Cabrera, Bellhorn, and Millar. Veritek behind the plate, and he scoops one out of the dirt here on a pitch down too low, two and one. Red Sox in their home whites, and Oakland, yeah, you never know what it's going to be with them, but they're going with the green road jerseys here with the yellow trim. Next delivery, swung on, chopped down the ground to short, there is Cabrera. Little sidestep in the throw. He's got the speedy Bill North. There's one down. That'll bring up the right hand hitting Gene Tennis. Only a 211 batting average, but 110 walks to lead the American League, and he had 26 home runs. Pitch from Arroyo bending outside. It's 1 0. Tennis had that huge 1972 World Series with a batch of homers, but on the other side of the ball, with tennis as the A's catcher, the Reds stole 12 bases on him in that series. Next pitch high, 2-0. Tennis was asked after the A's won that World Series if he thought he might be elected MVP. He said, what the hell, even if I do, the Reds will steal it from me. <laughs> Next delivery, swung on, laced in a left center field. That's a base hit. Manny Ramirez picks it up and casually tosses it in. Looking over his left shoulder now, his right shoulder, ADD on full display from Manny. Here comes Reggie Jackson. Left-handed slugger hit 289 this year, 29 home runs. From suburban Philadelphia, his dad, Martinez Jackson, ran a dry cleaning business and a tailoring business. Kind of George Jefferson before there was George Jefferson just down in Philly. And Reggie claims to this day he still knows how to cuff a pair of slacks very well. He takes here. It's high from Arroyo, 1-0. Reggie's dad was a veteran of World War II, flew a P-51 Mustang fighter during the North Africa campaign. And he used his Army Air Corps savings to start that business. Reggie's dad a significant presence in his early life. His mom, Clara, had left with three of the other kids when Reggie was just six years old. So Reggie raised by a single dad. Swinging here, he fouls it into the crowd on the right side. It's one and one. No score, just underway. 
And I tell you that story about Reggie's upbringing because it kind of fits in with having to play for Charlie Finley now in Oakland. Charlie Finley issues each player two Oakland A's hats and 24 bats to last the whole season. When the trainer tapes ankles, Reggie Jackson says the trainer uses tape very sparingly. He'll save whatever's left on each roll, never throwing anything away because there might not be a replacement coming. Pitch to him is fouled right at home plate one and two. Reggie had a good 74 World Series with the bat, but it was really a great defensive play that defined his contributions. Game five, A's on top three, two in the eighth. Bill Buckner hit a single that Billy North misplayed in center. Buckner took second, was heading to third with a tying run, but Jackson had backed up Bill North, threw a bullet to Dick Green, fired on to Bando at third, the sweep tag applied, and that was the last Dodgers threat. Pitch coming, swing, high drive, deep it goes, right center field, back towards the bullpens, it is gone. Reggie Jackson homers into the Boston bullpen. It is a 2-0 lead for the 74 A's virtually right away. Now we mentioned Reggie Jackson, kind of a primetime performer, right? 29 regular season home runs. And he belts this one off Arroyo to make it 2-zip. And it brings up Joe Rudy, still just one out. Rudy, a 293 hitter, 22 home runs. He'll play with these Red Sox eventually in 1981, but here in 74, Career best, 22 home runs. Another one in game five of that 74 World Series we were just talking about against Mike Marshall. Pitch from Arroyo riding high, it's 1-0. Arroyo kind of the, the second-tier horse that always seems to be the hallmark of a successful Red Sox team. Back to the days of Bill Lee, Mike Therese, Rick Wise, Bruce Hurst, Mike Boddicker. Not the ace, but solid nonetheless. Next delivery, swung on, rolled on the ground to short. Easy play for Cabrera. He'll fling it on the first two out. Two nothing for the 74 A's. Here's Sal Bando now. 243 average, 22 home runs just like Joe Rudy. But 103 runs batted in to lead the team. This is a team captain that kind of holds these volatile athletics together. First pitch fastball in there for a strike, nothing and one. Bando often overlooked while playing in the shadows of Reggie Jackson. And if you just want to look at third base, while well, he's in the same league as Brooks Robinson. So he never gets talked about a lot. But this is a four-time All-Star. 242 homers in a 16-year big league career. Taking here and it's outside. It's one and one. Sal Bando, like Reggie Jackson, a product of Arizona State. Bando was good friends with the sportscaster Al Michaels who will soon work for the San Francisco Giants across the bay from Oakland after his stint with the Cincinnati Reds. Pitch on the way, driven deep in the air, center field. Johnny Damon going back, back towards that triangle, still going, he makes the catch. Nice running play by the speedy Johnny Damon, and that retires the side. But the A's have gotten the jump. The 1974 A's with the Reggie Jackson two-run home run. They lead it 2-0 in the middle of the first. Let's keep it in 1974 as we pause for this.
surf at Big Sur, pounding the rocks into the shape of dreams. The random energy of a Big Apple Saturday night. Iowa farmers harvesting the land near the smell of homemade bread. And when you're thirsty, the taste of an ice-cold Coca-Cola. If you stop and think for just a moment, you'll find we've got more of the good things in this country than anywhere else in the world. Have a Coke and start looking up. Present times, you know, since 1963, the coffee bean and tea leaf has been bringing you the finest coffees and teas from all around the world with responsibly sourced ingredients, handcrafted coffees and teas, the coffee bean and tea leaf an experience like no other. Very appreciative of them as they continue to sponsor the Throwback League. Kenny Holtzman is on the mound for the Oaklanders, 19 and 17, a 3.07 ERA. And with Vita Blue and Catfish Hunter, that's a heck of a top three in that rotation. 123 complete games here in 74. Uh, Holtzman, the 28-year-old, only six of them, but still 19 wins after 21 the year before. Set the tone for the 74 World Series. Game one was sent in there against the 20-game winner, Andy Messersmith. Holtzman hadn't batted all year because the DH was in play, but he doubled in the fifth inning. A's won that game 3-2. to two. In fact, every game but one in that five-game World Series, final score was 3-2. to two. Holtzman back on the mound again for game four, and in the third inning of that one, a home run. Will not get a chance to swing the bat here. He will pitch to Johnny Damon, 304 batter. Lefty fouls it into the crowd on the right side, nothing in one. Holtzman will end up leaving Oakland, joining the Orioles, Yankees, and Cubs before hanging it up at age 33. Will do so with a career record of 164 and 150. Couple All-Star game appearances. St. Louis native who went to the University of Illinois. He had started with the Cubs back in 65 at the age of 19. His first year with Oakland, 1972, the first year of the team's three straight years of World Series titles. Holtzman's pitch to Damon is high. It's one and one. Outfield swung around to right a little bit against Damon. Reggie Jackson towards the line. Billy North in center, Joe Rudy in left. Gene Tennis at first base, Dick Green at second. Campanaris at short, and Bando off the line and in a bit at third. Next pitch, it's low this time, two and one. Johnny Damon bolting for the Yankees as a free agent in a couple of years. He'll get booed at Fenway, but not now. Boy, they love him here. And every day he played for the Yankees, a reminder to Yankee fans that ghosts had been exercised. I don't know how Yankee fans could stand to look at him because he hit the big grand slam to make sure the Red Sox would beat the Yankees in 4 Homer later in that game, too. Next pitch, swung on, popped up, third base side. In the foul ground goes Bando. He's there, he makes the catch, one down. 74A is leading here, 2-0, first inning. Here's Mark Bellhorn. Switch hitter, batted 264 this regular season, 17 home runs. You know, he went just 9 for 47 in the postseason, but it seems like all nine hits were game-winning doubles and home runs. Taking here, and it's called a strike at the knees. No balls, one strike. 
Bellhorn with 88 walks, but a stunning 177 strikeouts, too. Batting right-handed against Holtzman, Bellhorn wearing number 12, was originally with this Oakland ball club. Native Floridian came up with them. Johnny Damon also spent some time in Oakland, by the way. Next delivery comes. Swung on, looped in left center field, dropping down for a base hit. It'll be one on, one out. Joe Rudy plays the ball back in. And here comes Manny Ramirez. Now 32 years old, hit 308 this year. 43 home runs, 130 runs batted in. Trying to get something done in support of Bronson Arroyo. Both those guys with the cornrowed hair, Arroyo and Manny. Manny with those uniform pants sagging down around his ankles like pajamas. He takes strike one from Holtzman, who's got his stirrup showing, the bright yellow against the white socks. Ramirez and the man on deck, David Ortiz, just became the first pair of AL teammates to have 40 homers, 100 batted in, and a 300 batting average since the Yankees, Babe Ruth and Lou Gehrig back in 1931. Pitch sailing outside, it's one and one. Manny and Big Poppy, they hit back-to-back -back homers six times in 04. That tied a record by Hank Greenberg and Rudy York of the Tigers. White Sox, Frank Thomas and Mags Ordonez will later match that. Pitch comes to Ramirez. It's belted in the left. That's a base hit. Going to be a two-on, one-out situation as Bellhorn's got to slam on the brakes at second. So here comes David Ortiz. He's the go-ahead run. How about 139 runs batted in? 41 homers, 47 doubles. Now, Bill Russell is probably the basketball player on Boston's Mount Rushmore of sports. Bobby Orr in hockey, right? Tom Brady in football. But who's your guy in baseball? I know everyone will first say Ted Williams, but what about David Ortiz, who takes low, ball one? Nice block by Fossey. You know, you could actually argue Bill Russell or Larry Bird in basketball here. Russell is probably the right answer, but Bird, one of the ten best players ever in the NBA. Pitch is swung on foul down the first baseline. I think it's all about how many titles have you won. So Ted Williams didn't win championship after championship like Bill Russell. He didn't win any. He just wanted to be called the greatest hitter who ever lived. And if he didn't live up to that billing, he's certainly right there. But... David Ortiz, three World Series wins, including the first in 86 years for the Red Sox. So clutch, so charismatic. Or, and it's funny, Ortiz, probably not one of the 10 best players ever. I mean, obviously, in Major League history, he's probably not one of the best 100 players ever. But he's Big Poppy. You can't imitate the, the cool, the swag. And in his last World Series, a 688 batting average, he struck out once in 25 trips to the plate. Swinging here, he fouls it. It's one and two. So, as for the face on Boston's Rushmore, yeah, maybe the right answer is Ted Williams because he was a better player overall by a sizable margin. And Mount Rushmore theoretically attempts to honor the best. But, again, Tom Brady, six championships. Bill Russell, 11 championships. Bobby Orr with a couple. If Boston's Mount Rushmore is for those who were the most irreplaceable at the most important moments... You could make the case that is David Ortiz. Here's the pitch. Swing high fly ball into the alley right center. That's going to get down. Here comes Bellhorn. 
He's going to round third and score. David Ortiz into second base with a double. So this is now a 2-1 ball game. And boy, sometimes you just don't know what you have till you need it. David Ortiz is brought in to compete with Jeremy Giambi for playing time. And now he is Big Poppy. Big hit right there. Here's Trot Nixon, another left-hand batter. 315 batting average in part-time duty this year. Only 48 games played. Gabe Kapler, a lot of time and right for Boston as well. Pitch to him is low for ball one. Nixon born in 74 is playing against these 74 A's. He was born April 11th of 74. Red Sox on that date lost here at Fenway to the Orioles in 11 as the pitch is outside 2-0. Guess he'd be looking at Tommy Harper leading off in that one, right? Yaz in the lineup, Cecil Cooper DHing, Bob Montgomery the catcher. Looking it up right now. Double play combination of Mario Guerrero and Doug Griffin with Terry Hughes at third. Bernie Carbo started that game in right field. Dwight Evans came on late. Game started by Louis Tiant. Next delivery, that's low, 3-0 with first base open here. Trot Nixon talked out of being a quarterback at NC State. He would have been there just as Phillip Rivers was leaving. All business, hard-nosed player. Next pitch to him, that is inside ball four. So boy, you got something going here. Ramirez now at third, Bellhorn now at second, Nixon at first, loaded up for Jason Veritek, the switch hitting catcher, batting 296, 18 home runs. Three-time All-Star, former Mariners prospect, and he takes all the way, it's a strike, right down the heart of the plate. 15-year Major League career for Veritek before it's all said and done. Every one of his 5,099 at-bats as a Red Sox. And a guy with 11 postseason home runs. Four last year, three this year. Two in the ALCS against the Yankees, driving in seven runs total in a seven-game series. Next delivery, swung on, fouled right at the plate, nothing in two. Veritek out of Georgia Tech. Mark Teixeira played there too, but famously said a very loud no to the Red Sox when they drafted him in the ninth round of 98 and lowballed him. In his mind, anyway, Mark Teixeira thought he was poisoned by the Red Sox, who had spread the word that he's too difficult to deal with. Don't bother drafting him. Well, a couple of years later, the Rangers did draft him very high up, and they were very happy they did that. Here's the kick, here's the pitch. Swing and a miss, down goes Veritek for the second out of the inning. It stays 2-1 for the 74 A's for now. Kevin Millar will try to get something worked up here for Boston. 32-year-old with a 297 batting average, 18 home runs with so many contributions off the field. You know, for three solid months, May 1st to August 1st, the Red Sox spun their wheels. They played 500 ball. I think the guy that got him out of the muck was Millar. As he takes low, it's ball one. 
Bronson Arroyo has said this is a guy that made everybody come out of their shells. He just changed the feel of the whole team. He had Ortiz, he had Ramirez, he had some other guys who were the, the hard asses. Everybody gelled. Everybody came together thanks to Millar, according to Bronson Arroyo. Next pitch outside, 2-0 with the bases loaded. It was during batting practice right before game four of that ALCS. Kevin Millar started to set a tone. He told anyone who would listen, don't let us win tonight. If we win tonight, we got Pedro in game five, Schilling in game six, and anything can happen in game seven. He was all over that. Next pitch, that's low, 3-0. and Of course, the Yankees very nearly didn't let the Red Sox win that game four. You had the best closer in the world, Rivera, on the mound. But over the next half inning and the next four days, Red Sox history would change forever. It was Millar that worked the leadoff walk that got it all going. Dave Roberts coming off the bench, stealing second, yada, yada, yada. They break the curse of the Bambino. 3-0 pitch. That's right down the middle for a strike with a fastball, 3-1. Got a very underrated guy on deck in Bill Miller. Got to smash a game-tying single up the middle in one of those games we were just talking about to set up David Ortiz in the, the 12th inning. That game four magic, a lot of Millar and Miller. Although it's Dave Roberts and David Ortiz to get remembered the most. With the bases loaded, 3-1 pitch. Inside, ball four. So there's another Millar walk. There's a 2-2 ball game for you. Manny Ramirez trotting in. And here is Miller now. Still two out in the inning. 283 batter with a 12 home run, 57 RBI season. He had the walk-off homer against Rivera to beat the Yankees on that famous benches-clearing brawl day against the Yankees. Veritek shoving his mitt into the face of A-Rod. First pitch inside, it's 1-0. Bill Miller's time in Boston was fairly brief, but as far as veteran free agents go, you won't find many better bargains than Bill Miller for $2 million a season over three very productive years. Holtzman's got the sign. Here's the kick, here's the pitch. That is looped in the left field, it'll drop. It's a base hit. 3-2 Boston now. They're going to hold the runner coming around third as it's played back in very quickly by Joe Rudy. That ball in on the fifth of Bill Miller. But he just kind of served it in the shallow left. And of course, left fielders play pretty shallow just by accident here. You've got that green monster behind you. You can't really back up that far even if you wanted to. So it's tough to get a two-run single if you hit a ball to left field here. Sure enough, this is a one-run single. And it vaults the Sox on top. 3-2, we're still in the first inning. And the hitter becomes Orlando Cabrera, right-hand batter, 294 hitter. Boy, we talk about underrated players on this 0-4 Red Sox team. That's Cabrera for sure. Taking here, that's a strike on the outside edge. Now that's a trade, by the way, that almost wasn't made with the hours ticking down, the trade deadline of July 31st. Theo Epstein just couldn't get the team's shoddy infield defense out of his mind. So he did what was 
Once considered unthinkable, he traded Nomar Garcia Para, four-way trade, brought in Cabrera, and Doug Mankiewicz, a great glove man. Dave Roberts came in that day as well for a minor leaguer named Henry Stanley. Next delivery is low. It's one and one. You know, it's funny. On the surface, all Theo Epstein did on that July 31st day, he got two hitters who both had 246 averages a day of the trade in Cabrera and Minkiewicz. Roberts was hitting 250. So in other words, that was a tough trade to sell to the fans initially. You got rid of Nomar for that. Next pitch high, it's two and one. But what Theo got was the defense and the speed to round out the team. And he said he had to take a pill that night to help him sleep after trading at Nomar Garcia Parra. But once the part started to fit together, the Red Sox never looked back. They played like a runaway train the rest of the way. They closed the regular season 40 and 15. 3 2. Boston's got the lead. Bases loaded, two out. Holtzman in with the pitch. It is hit on the ground pretty sharply, but right at third. Sal Bando could have gone to his own bag. Instead, he'll fire across Diamond in time. That retires his side. But that's a very successful inning. Red Sox bat around. 3-2, the 0-4 Red Sox on top of the end of one. Let's pause for this. Introducing new Trident Cool Rush Gum with sparkling flavor crystals. Can these five dentists handle the intense, tingly clean feeling? Ooh. Intense? Maybe a little too intense. New Trident Cool Rush. Can you handle the intense, tingly clean feeling? Well, back here at Fenway, we've been talking about underrated players on the Red Sox as they finally got things done. It's easy to look at Manny Ramirez and Big Poppy and Pedro and Schilling, but there were so many players that got just enough done to make things happen on that 2004 team. We're going to talk to one of them in just a moment, but you ask any Red Sox fan that the whole it takes a village thing, that was every bit. I mean, Dave Roberts obviously is a great example. He pinch ran, but some of the other guys you might have forgotten were on the team. Uh, guys like Ellis Burks early in the year. Out of the bullpen, guys like Scott Williamson, Terry Adams, uh, a kid named Mark Molaska. Mike Myers got into 25 games. Didn't really pitch that well, but he, he did enough things well that you have to, to throw his name in there. Uh, Curtis Laskanik. Uh, you know, so many guys that did just enough at just the right time. One of those was a 32-year-old utility man named Brian Daubach, very popular player a couple of years before, but due to something that was totally out of his control, he wasn't around for very much of the 04 season. He was supposed to be, but when David McCarty had to pitch during the home opener, they had to shuffle the rosters around, and he got sent down to AAA, and it took him a while to come back, then he got hurt. He had to watch that World Series celebration from the sidelines, although it was in his hometown of St. Louis. That ended up working out okay for Brian Daubach, but the, the popular Dauber recounting a little bit of his experiences from 04. Like I said, we were so close for a lot of years, and, and you know, 03 I wasn't part of the team, but the way they lost that, and then, you know, to come back and beat the Yankees, you know, just proud of the guys, but more importantly, just, we were all really happy for the city, you know, um, I mean, it would have meant, you know, 86 years, and that was a big reason why I wanted to come back, but, you know, those are a lot of my really close friends, uh, really 
if you look back to the 98, 99 teams, kind of like the Derrick Lowe's and Jason Veritex and Trot Nixon's and really even Nomar to an extent, we're, we're kind of just growing into their roles in the big leagues. And you know, we kind of grew up baseball-wise together. And <clears throat> to be back with those guys, even though I wasn't on the roster, to be in my hometown of St. Louis is uh, such a thrill. I know, you know Dan Duquette was even there, saw him in the stands. This It was uh, a special time and something we'll never forget. And, and we get to spend a lot of time together, a lot of that group. You know, we were so close, and now we go together to a fantasy camp. There's about between eight and ten of us, on depending on the year. And I mean, it's always great to see those guys. You know, mostly my closest friends in baseball. Outside of a couple, and I've been in the game 30 years, but most of my close friends are from that from that team. Thanks so much to Brian Daubach for weighing in. Of course, as we mentioned, he's injured. He's not playing in this one. As the Red Sox and the A's have at it, 3-2 at the end of one. It'll stay that way all the way until the bottom of the fifth inning. A tight game with the pitchers settling in. But, boy, it's like somebody dropped a Mentos into a, a bottle of Coca-Cola in the bottom of the fifth inning. You talk about things just boiling over and exploding all over the place. How about a 10-run bottom of the fifth inning? Some of the damage off Holtzman, a lot of it off Blue Moon Odom, who had to come on in relief. Let's walk you through it. David Ortiz started it up with a double to right center, his second double of the game. Then an E4. Uh, let's see, was that on Dick Green? Yeah, that would have been on Dick Green. E4, Trot Nixon reaches there. So you've got first and third for Veritek. And he pounds the single in a left. That makes it 4-2. to two. Kevin Millar bloops the single in a center. It's 5-2. to two. Then you had a pop-out, Bill Miller fouling out to Bando, but Cabrera a base hit to load him up. Johnny Damon, the bases loaded, walk this time. Not the grand slam like he hit against the Yankees, just a walk to make it 6-2. to two. Bellhorn would then drive one in a left, in a left center actually. Two runs coming home to make it an 8-2 game. That was it for Ken Holtzman. On comes Blue Moon. Manny Ramirez greets him rudely. Base hit up the middle. Ortiz, his second double of the inning, his third of the game, makes it 11-2. Nixon bounces out, but then Veritek crushes one. That one, long gone. How about 13-2 Boston before Millar flies out to deep left, right at the base of the monster. A 10-run inning to open it way up. And the Red Sox were not done. Bottom of the sixth, you had a, an infield base hit from Bill Miller to lead things off. Orlando Cabrera reaching on what was scored in E6. Bert Campaneras kicked it. Johnny Damon, RBI single, 14-2. After a Bellhorn strikeout, Manny Ramirez walked, Ortiz walked. That was it for Blue Moon Odom. In came Paul Lindblad. Trot Nixon, two RBI hit into right to make it 16-2. Veritek, a little loop shot in the center. Base hit, 17-2. Kevin Millar. Two RBI single in a right center field. Would you believe 19 to 2? Before finally the A's would come back a little in the top of the eighth. Ray Fossey, two run home run after Claudel Washington had walked. Lenny DiNardo on to pitch. Terry Adams on in the ninth to finish up. But 19 runs for Boston. Remember, we mentioned they had given up 19 at Fenway to the Yankees in game three of the ALCS in 04. This time they hang 19 on the 1974 Oakland A's to eliminate them. That's it. 19 runs, 22 hits, no errors for Boston. Four, five, and three for the 74 A's. Looking at this box score, 
if you look at runs, hits, and runs batted in, everybody had something except Orlando Cabrera didn't have an RBI. But otherwise, everybody had at least one of something. The guy with four runs scored was Ortiz. We mentioned the three doubles. The guy with four hits, he had a couple of those. Jason Veritek had four. Bellhorn had four. The one Red Sox with four runs batted in was Veritek. But the point is, everybody contributed. Bronson Arroyo the win in a huge effort here, 19-4, to the final. Next week, it's going to be a four-seed hosting a nine-seed. The Minnesota Twins of 1991 are at the Metrodome. They'll take on Albert Pujols and the 06 Cardinals. Going to be loud for Kevin Tappany against Jeff Supine. Sweet 16 action in podcast form for you and all your baseball friends. We hope you're spreading the word. Let's get everybody on board. If you know a baseball fan that's not listening yet, we hope you'll tell them about it. Hope you'll give us a nice review as well. Give us that five-star Uber rating here if you're uh, an iTunes person and, and that's how you're getting it done. Wherever you're finding the podcast, we sure appreciate it. And if you don't know about the website, we're here to remind you. The throwbackleague.com has this box score, all the box scores, and the brackets you can look at as well. Josh Lewin from Fenway signing off again the final with the Red Sox winning by a bunch. It was the 04 Boston Red Sox 19, the 74 Oakland A's 4.